right, turning your Bibles to 2 Kings tonight. Somebody said you're going to preach. It's Bible study time. You don't preach at Bible study time. All right, you teach a Bible study and work with that, but there's a little bit of preaching at everywhere you go. Uh, I was going to start off and ask about uh, how many folks are under 45 and have you raised your hand, but I'm not going to recognize that tonight because it makes me feel old and uh, work with that. But what we're going to talk about tonight is some things I've taught uh, well, an incident came up was, was with one of my children, and uh, they thought they were worth more than what they were. And so dad had to give them a little uh, understanding and working with that. In fact, they were a college student. They were here, and they were offered a job at $8 an hour and, and said, I think I'm worth more than that. And I just finished doing a study for our lawyer and accountants and all that was going on with that, and we averaged out the staff, not counting overtime, just counting straight hours, and they averaged about $6.60 an hour. And so it really didn't come across real nice when, when uh, my daughter uh, told me that she was worth more than $8 an hour. And, uh, and she's the one bold enough to walk in at a, where she's working and saying, I think I need a raise. And they'll give her a $20,000 raise. Uh, he said, well, why don't you do that, Dad? I said, I'm afraid they'd fire me and say, you don't work worth it. That's why. Second Kings chapter 5, if you would, and you'll recognize the story. And we'll use this as a springboard as we, we think of some things. I want to teach tonight on, on the danger of little things. The danger of little things. And I don't know if that's a good title, but that's the only thing I could come up with as we think of what's going on. You'll recognize the story right away. And while we go through it, I want you to see if you can help me remember a young lady's name. Uh, and I'll tell you another story about that. Chapter 5 of Second Kings. Look in verse 9, if you would. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought, there's a problem right there when you get I thought, he, was, he would will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. I guess that was like a Dodge Demon or a Dodge Charger or whatever. He had a rage, and Mark's a Dodge fan. So I uh, went away in a rage. He was ticked off, all right? And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, Wash, and be clean. Father, I pray you'd help me to take a simple thought and one that I trust will be helpful to everyone in here, whether it's young folks or the older folks, to help to us to hit that reminder, that reset button as we think of little things in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know the story about Naaman. It's a familiar story. You've heard it in Sunday school time and time again. He was the host of the, of the, of the king of Syria. He was a soldier. He was a captain. The Bible says he was a man of, of might and valor, but he was a leper, and there was a little maid that was there, and this is, I want you to know, let me know if you know her name, uh, that was there, uh, the, the Syrians brought back from Israel, and she was a maid to Naaman's wife, and uh, she said, she, and earlier in the story, she, she tells, oh, boy, I wish that Naaman could get to the man of God over in Israel, and he could take care of him. She had confidence in that, and the reason I ask you if you know her name, because it's not in the Bible. But I was teaching this one time years ago in a, a chapel at our school in North Carolina, 
and we went through it and talked about Naaman's maid. I said, how many of you know her name? And everybody from first through third grade raised their hand. And I said, boy, isn't that great? You know her name. And I'm sitting there looking through my Bible now. I'm flipping through it and said, how did I miss this? I've read this dozens of times. And I said, really? How many of you know her name? All of them raised their hands. I said, okay, what's her name? And all of them, Rebecca. Rebecca, Rebecca. I'm flipping through that. I said, how do you know her name is Rebecca? Miss Farber said her name was Rebecca. <laughs> said, nobody should not have a name, so Miss Farber named her Rebecca. So you see what I deal with with adding and subtracting to the Word of God and the curse that's upon my wife because of it. I know. But she said, oh, if, if he could just get over there. And, of course, you know the story. The king turned around and sent a letter to the king of Israel. And they, he goes over there, takes the king of Israel. And the king of Israel says, oh, man, we're in a mess uh, because he's going to turn around. And he's trying to get me. Uh, he sent me this letter, and I can't do anything about it. And so it's going to provoke something, and we're going to have a war. And what are we going to do? And finally, Elijah says, send him over to me. I'll take care of it. And that's where the story picks up. But we see what's happening with Elisha. And, 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 and Naaman. The Bible says Naaman got angry. He turned around and he said, I thought he would come to me. I mean, who does the preacher think he is that he didn't come to Captain Naaman? You know, I, I'm somebody. And that's sad to say, this is where we are in the lives of most people today. We think it ought to be our way, and everybody ought to think much of us, and, and I wrote a note in my Bible, the world doesn't, or the sun doesn't revolve around you, Naaman. And we have so many folks today that they think, boy, I'm just here so everybody could take care of me. I mean, I'm entitled to everything. Look at me, look how great I am and what's going on. I could go back to Damascus. I could go ahead into, to Abana and Parfar and I, beautiful rivers. Right? And this stinking muddy Jordan, and he wants me to dip into that. He was upset. He was ticked. This isn't what it ought to be. Uh, he, see, I want it my way. I want, to, I want to get the recognition of what I'm doing. And thankfully, he had a servant that was smart enough to run up to him and say, listen, and he called, called him father. He said, listen, uh, if, you'd, if he'd had you do some great thing, you'd have done it. If, if they'd have brought the spotlight in and brought the crowds in, shined it on you, and look what Naaman's going to do, you'd have jumped all over that. Yeah, look at me. I've got my, my dress blues on, so to speak. I've got my uniform. Look at all my medals right here. Got my sword hanging. In. This is Naaman. But no, he said, just ask you to do something simple and do it. And we know the end of the story. He was cleansed from the leprosy because he did obey what's going on. But we find the same thing in, in people today. Most folks that are religious, and I use the word religious, probably going to spend eternity in hell because they think what they do and what their works are doing and everything else is going to get them to heaven. But they don't realize it's not their religion, it's not their good works, it's not what they're doing, it's what Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. But they turn around and try to take it all upon themselves. Look at me, look how good I am, look what's happening. And, and I deal with it, you deal with it the same way when you're out knocking on doors or whatever. Uh, I remember a time, this is some, some time ago, I asked the lady, she said, do, do you know for sure if you died you go to heaven? She said, well, <coughs> young man, and this had to be a few years ago, she said, young man, do you understand that I play the piano at my church, or the organ at my church? I said, well, I think that's wonderful you play the organ. I said, but do you know for sure if you died you go to heaven? Young man, you don't understand, my husband bought that big pipe organ and put it in the church so I could play it. 
no comment. But anyways, that's, I mean, she was all impressed on that. I said, ma'am, I'm not, I'm thankful you can play the organ. I said, I can't play. I said, I had one piano lesson. I can play hot cross buns. That's all I can play. They said you couldn't play baseball if you learned how to play the piano. And I said, forget that. You don't tell a young boy you can't play baseball. I wish I'd learned how to play the piano. And, uh, and, and I've had different folks teach me. My daughter-in-law said she'd slap me with a ruler every time I tried to hit the wrong key, and I backed out of that right away. But anyway, stop and realize that, that it's not what you do. And she was so impressed that she played the organ, that her husband bought the organ, but she wouldn't listen to the gospel because she had her religious robe on, and look how great, how wonderful I am. And we have folks today that do the same thing. Uh, our pastor has been using the phrase out of uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. All right? That faith that you use to please God is what you did when you trusted Christ as your Savior. And he is pleased, and the Bible says all of heaven rejoices when you trust Christ as your Savior. Not just as God pleased when you get saved, but all of heaven rejoices in that. But also stop and realize your life is one as you trust God by faith. That's what pleases him. Your growth in grace is what pleases him as you do it by faith. Not look what, look what I've done or how great I am. Uh, I, I've, I've grown up and seen folks with, they had their Sunday school pins with perfect attendance. And I'm glad to have perfect attendance. I think that's great. I push my folks for perfect attendance. But having all the Sunday school pins so long that you're going to trip over them doesn't get you to heaven. It's what have you done with Jesus? Have you trusted him as your Savior? So what pleases God is you taking dependence upon him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to depend upon him in every area of your life. We have to come to our life, and, and, and not just the young people, but everybody. We've got a big God and a little me. We've got to take John the Baptist's philosophy, I must decrease, he must increase. But we're in a world today that everybody wants to, to increase. Everybody wants to be seen. It, it, it's the little things in life that causes problems. It's not the big things. It's a little, little things in churches that cause problems. Uh, you, you have a big battle. So I, I, I've dealt with, boy, I got a temper. I got a temper. Boy, and they're fixing to go into something. They know they got a temper, and they, get, they, they pray about it. They prepare for it. They're ready to go, and they go in, and, and well, they come, preacher, I didn't lose my temper. <laughs> oh, man, they're so happy about it. And then the next day, some little provocation turns around. They blow up and, and they go off the handle and stuff like that. Why? They prepared for the big thing that they had to face, but they failed to remember the little things. See, folks prepared for Jericho. And boy, that big walled city, and here's God's instructions, this is what we'll do, and they marched around Jericho, and they got whipped at Ai. Now, there was sin in the camp, but if you stop and realize, they didn't have to send everybody, everything's fine, we cut numbered it out, we did the spies out, we're ready to go. And so many times in our life, we prepare for the Jerichos in our life, but we forget that every day we ought to prepare for the Ais also in our life. Every little small things in our life. There's people that would die for the Savior, but they won't bow their head at a restaurant and ask the blessing on the meal. They die for the Savior, but they won't take their Bible with them to work. You say, oh, that's illegal to take my Bible to work. It's not illegal to take your Bible to work. Uh, it's not illegal to take your Bible to school. All right? You say, but that's what they said. They don't know the law. But you need to understand that you've got to realize the importance of taking a stand. Uh, there's churches that split over songbooks, or the color of the carpet, or what color they're going to paint the walls. Or, yeah, it, it's crazy. The little things, the little things, and the dangers of working with that thing, those little things. I, I've seen husband and wife stick together over battles that came in the family and stood together, and then something small thing about the, the, the hairdo wasn't right or something other, and they get all upset about it. 
It's crazy that we go through that, work with that. We need to realize the mighty walls of Jericho are there, and we need to work with those and go forward with it. Uh, you brace for the big items, but you don't. You, you stop and think about Job. He lost his family. He lost his wealth. He lost all of his livestock. His wife just said, curse God and die. And he said, boy, did Job stand. But if you read all the book of Job, God sent many chapters chewing on Job a little bit because Job, Job's pride. And we find in the end of the book, in chapter 42, Job says, Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Because he stood, but then he got proud about it. I didn't curse God and die. I did what I was supposed to do, and these are friends of mine. But get the whole picture of what's going on. I, I think of uh, Elijah. Boy, the Mount Carmel, the fig tree. <laughs> Man, this is great. He walks in there and prays down fire from heaven, or God brings fire down. He slays all the prophets and the false prophets and everything. And Jezebel says, I'm going to get you. And he runs. Find him hiding and asking God to kill him. <laughs> Wanting to commit suicide. Now, wait a minute. The big battles were there. But we don't realize the importance of going with the others and working with that. Let me, I, got, I got four observations. And it's easy. It's not hard. All right? Do not have any small tasks. Everything's big. Well, I, I just have a small Sunday school class. If you have one in the Sunday school class, that's big. That's one life you can teach and you can influence for God. I heard preachers different times. I just have a small church. There's no small churches. God puts you in that, in that vineyard where he would have you, and if, you, if you've just got a dozen people, I mean, there, there's some places. I mean, there's 35 people in the whole town, and God puts you there, and you've got 20 of them coming to your church. You're, you're, you're successful. I mean, you stop and look at the percentages, but there's no small churches. Uh, I remember one time standing out on the porch, Dr. Tom Neal had been there, or was there, and uh, Dr. Hiles, and, and they were having a conference at our church, and I'm standing out on the front porch waiting for some folks to come in, and the preacher said, uh, he said, Brother Farr, what's your problem? He said, something's on your mind. I said, Preacher, I've been trying to have 200 baptisms for the last three years. I set a goal for 200 baptisms. I had 197, I had 196. I even threatened my deacons and tell them they were lost and they need to get saved so I can get over that too. I said, I pushed it. He just looked at me and laughed. He said, Brother Farber. And he's standing on a little stoop of a porch we had. He said, look around you. There's one house here, one house here. Across the field, there's another house. Down the road a quarter mile, there's another house. He said, you got more cows and chickens and cotton fields than you have people in this county. He said, you rejoice in what God's doing. Just keep going and don't worry about whether it's 200 or 250 or 75. You just stay faithful. It encouraged me. It helped me because I thought, boy, I, I'm just not doing anything, not doing anything. I wasn't doing like Dr. Jack Hiles. <laughs> He's got more folks in the restroom than what I had in my church. You, know. you stop and realize what you have. There's no small tasks. If you have a job to do for God, it's a big job. You say, I, I just hold the door open. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. That's an important task. And let me thank you for it, guys, because you come and get my wife's door and you hold the umbrella when it's raining. And uh, you don't trip her up the steps like I do. I mean, you get her in. I, pre I appreciate that. Right? And I think of other ones through the years that I've been here that's helped out and, and do that. That's an important job. And, and, and sometimes it's a thankless job here. But it's th God's thinking of it because you've been faithful at the job that you're at. So I just sweep the floors or I just lock the doors or I, I work in the sound room or I keep the nursery. Can you imagine turning that? I mean, we can hear the crowd part of the time. Just turn them loose in here and see what was going on. We need to realize the importance. Every job we do is important. There's no small job. You said, well, we're having a work night. And I'm, 
I'm cutting the grass or raking the leaves or weed eating something other. That's important because that's a job that you have to do. There's no small task. Not only as we think of small tasks when we think of church, but there's no small task in your life. It's important being a dad. But I got a knothead for a son. Well, probably got a knothead for a dad too. It, they all kind of work together. No, uh, there's no small task. I'm, I'm an old man now. My, I am married to a great grandmother. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I don't think I'm old enough to be that old, but you know, uh, I'm married to a great grandmother. All right, gotta get, get my polygraph in. All right, and stop and I don't have polygraph. All right, <laughs> but just stop, <laughs> stop and realize uh, every task is important. You say, well, I, I've got to sit down and teach my children. Or I've got to do this. Well, every task is important. There's no small jobs in God's army. There's no small jobs that God has. Uh, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. Give it everything that you have. Uh, I remember the first verse that I remembered at the first church camp that I went to, the first verse, uh, memory verse they had, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And I've tried to adapt that from that time I, I heard that as a 17-year-old. I'm going to do everything I can, everything I can, everything I can to please, to please God and bring honor and glory to God. And, and realize the importance of it in your life. There are no small tasks that you have. Uh, there's no small positions. Right, you say, well, I just have this. I, I think, guys, we, when the co I was teaching more in the college and stuff like that, and say, well, I want to do this, and I want to do this. Everybody wants a title. <laughs> the title doesn't mean any more. Right? I pastored this church, or I did that. It doesn't make, listen, you do what God would have you do. The title's not, uh, and, and I heard him, and I, and I used Brother Stanley. Say, I want to be just like Robbie Stanley. Well, they saw Robbie Stanley after he'd been here 20, 25 years, and he had him a pickup truck, and he had, and, and he had uh, uh, fishing stuff, and he had this, and, you know, he leads the singing or whatever. They don't know Robbie Stanley when he came here on staff, and he cleaned the commodes and vacuumed the floors and, and did whatever else needed to be done. See, they, they wanted to be 20 years later. Instead, as he came in, and by, and by the way, he's still this, he's still a faithful servant. And that's what God wants us to be. Uh, there, there's no small positions that you have there's no small areas you say well I, I'm just in in this area uh you serve God and be faithful in serving God uh pastors taught this before we're, we're all parts of, we're all members of, of, of a body and every member is important so I'm just an elbow well you, you need an elbow otherwise you'd walk around like this all the time all right and look kind of stupid and uh, some of you do that with an elbow even but I mean you kind of stop and realize the importance God, every part is important and, and you say, well, I, I don't do as much. You hold the pew right where it's at or the seat right where it's at. That's important. And you'd be shocked how many folks look around. And we've been battling this with this pandemic. And there's faces you haven't seen. And you've wondered. I've gotten calls about it. I've gotten emails about them. Is so-and-so okay? Is this one okay? Because they've missed seeing some, somebody in church. And there's folks now that are on vacation. And I look around. I know pastor does it. I'm sure Brother Stanley, other staff members do. I look around. and you, Usually everybody's about in the same seat, in the same place. Some of you moved again tonight. And I uh, said, so, oh, they are here, or whatever. And, uh, but you stop and see different folks there. You're somebody's hero. They're look, they're, it's hard to believe, but there's somebody that wants to be just like you. Because God has placed you here as a faithful servant. There's no small position. There's nothing that's too small. Uh, I said, but I don't have a title. Yeah, go read Judges chapter 9 sometimes, and you, you see what's going on at, and at the uh, convention that's being held in the forest. And they're trying to figure out somebody to anoint as king. And you got the sycamore tree talking and the olive tree talking and the fig tree talking. And nobody wants to do it because they think their position is more important. And it ends up being a bramble bush. 
right? Uh, I, I am so thankful God's willing to use any and all of us. You, you don't realize what you're looking at. And what you do probably say, boy, I'm a poor guy. Pretty soon he'll die and get off the scene. I was thrilled when I found out God would use me. I'm nobody special. I'm just old country boy. And to realize God would take and use me. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up like many of you young people did in a Christian school. And some I heard about Jesus when I was young, but not the way you have. All right? And I didn't, I didn't know, know who he was uh, except the curse word growing up in the, the home that I had until somebody introduced me to him and I trusted him as my Savior. But to find out, yeah, God would use me too. And I, by the way, I jumped at it. I didn't turn around and say, can I, maybe, will I, is it real, whatever. I said, Let, let's go for it. Uh, I, I enjoy it. And to stop and think, it's been 50-plus years, and, and God still uses a little country boy, and uh, not, not too smart, not too good-looking, and uh, no amens, and my wife's smiling back there and saying, yeah, got that one, right? Uh, but to still realize God's willing to use anyone. And by the way, don't get caught up in the position. Well, I'd like to have the, my name on the, on the board. <laughs> Folks, if you load the staff around here, it's not the title. Now, they don't have me lead to singing. I could wave my hands, but what comes out here doesn't sound like he sings. All right? As soon as I'd start, they turn the mic off. They better, anyways. Uh, but, but, and I can't wave my hands as well as he can because he does it in the right way. But each of us have a different responsibility in each job. But I promise you, if something needs to be done, nobody's afraid to get their hands dirty and jump in and do it. It's not the position, and there's no small positions. Realize the importance of it. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier there's no small churches. And you, well, I, I went to the small church over here, whatever. Uh, I promise you when we get to heaven and God starts passing out rewards, you're going to find folks that you've never heard of their name and they're back in the woods somewhere, but they've been faithful and faithful and faithful at their place for 30, 40, 50 years and just serving God and uh, they're, they're, they're doing the job that God wants them to do. And, and it's exciting that way. Uh, I, I love, I love, I planned pastoring all my life in, in rural North Carolina. Uh, I'll guarantee every door in the 15 years I was there, every door was knocked on by me that I know of at least three times. And our people went many more times than that, trying to knock on every door and win the folks to Christ. Bless heart, the folks that followed me, all they heard was, yeah, I, I know about that. Brother Farber led me to Christ, or somebody at that church led me to Christ, or somebody here led me to Christ, and whatever. And, uh, and that's a testimony that you want. But to realize the importance of it, there's no small churches. And uh, you stop and think about what's going on in, in different places. I wonder what it's like when that, that pastor uh, was up there on a, was it a Wednesday night in a snowstorm. Somebody walks in and he gets saved. You ever read about C.H. Burden? All right. Just faithful. Just faithful. There's no small churches. Yeah, there's no small Sunday school classes. Well, I just have the three and four-year-olds. That's not really important. Oh, yes, it is. May it be the only time they ever get to hear that Jesus loves them and cares about them. I think my, the only time I attended a junior boy Sunday school class, Mr. Bennett stopped, kept me after class, and led me to Christ. If he hadn't, I'd probably still be on my way to hell. There's no, there's no small churches. There's no small days. Now, let me say, there's no small days. I'll use an illustration of personal. My wife and I just celebrated our 50th anniversary. And, and she is so blessed to be able to be married to me for 50 years. And I'm more blessed that I have her. But there's no small days. Everybody builds up for the 50th anniversary. But you know what is important to me? The 50 years plus one day. 50 years plus two days. 
Uh, can, can I help you? You keep them just like you got them. I'm not an original with me. I heard Brother Howell say that. Uh, I still open my wife's door. I still push her down. I mean, help her down the steps. Uh, I, I, I take care of her. I try my best to spoil her. I learned a long time ago. If I made her the queen, I get to be the king. And I, I learned right after I do, there was two, two new words that I learned. It was called yes, ma'am. I tried to teach Colin that now, and, 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 and his fiance keeps reminding him, it's yes, ma'am, it's yes, ma'am, it's yes, ma'am. No, l listen, uh, it, it's a joy. And, and the thing is, that's why we, we don't fuss, we don't fight. Because I want to keep her happy in everything that I do. There's no, it, I see folks built for a big day, big day, big day. Oh, we had our 10th anniversary. Whoo, we did this. And by the way, I'm all for it. And I had a big trip planned for our 50th anniversary. I mean, a big trip, an expensive trip. Thank God for the COVID, all right? <laughs> I got all but $200 refunded, all right? <laughs> so I took her to McDonald's. I, <laughs> No, but I, we did. We had a big cruise going out west, going up the west coast, coming out of Canada, then coming back down, going to see the grandkids. I mean, it was all planned. We were ready to go. And then all this mess with the virus and everything else went through, and they canceled everything. Uh, but you know what? We're, we're just as excited about going out and getting a room and seeing that the Atlantic Ocean's still there. It is getting on a cruise and traveling up somewhere. Because there's there's no day, one day, that that's so small and so so insignificant. And that's what happens in folks. They lay their guard down. They become too comfortable. And now it's, well, it's not, yeah, that's, that's just another day. No, if you wake up in the morning, and if you do, then you're good. If not, you're in heaven. Some of you, I still don't know if you woke up yet this morning. But if you get up in the morning and you open your eyes and realize God's given you another day to serve him, there's no small days. There's no small days. I wonder whose path you could cross, who you'll influence, who having a, a chance to be a help with? You know, you, you, well, I don't get to see as many folks. What about just a smile? Let folks know that, hey, you can smile. Now, usually today, if you're smiling and greeting folks or whatever, they'll wonder what's wrong with you. But you can tell them what's wrong with you. I'm on my way to heaven, and I'm looking forward to it. I mean, let them know what's going on. But there, there's no small days. Uh, we, we, <laughs> folks have the big day on the anniversary and fuss the next day. I don't understand it. I, I'm sorry. I just, it, it doesn't, I mean, they get, get upset. Oh, we had a big day and it was wonderful and everybody was here and we had a great time and the next day because a hot dog was cold, they get upset about something or other. Right? Watch out for the little things. Watch out in your life what you do, how you do it and take care of things. And, and you have to keep guard on it. Don't, don't get so big of yourself and so much of yourself that you become like Naaman. Well, I thought surely he'd come out. And he'd come meet me. He just sends a servant out tell me, go wash. I mean, who does he think I am? You know, all we are is sinners saved by the grace of God, and every day you have is a blessing of God. I mean, I'm ready to go home. I'm looking forward to going home. I'm anxious. To, I'm not home down in Orange Park. Well, I'm talking about going to heaven. I look forward to it. He said, well, I just don't even think about that. I don't even think about dying. Dying, dying for me is just a taxi ride from this side to the other side, and I'm ready to go because I know what God has for me. But while I'm here, I want to serve him. And I don't want to get up in the morning and say, oh, it's another day. This hurts, that hurts, something else hurts, or whatever. As long as I know it's hurt, it's still there, and it's still going, and we serve God. But there's no small tasks. There's no small days. There's no small jobs. And so take each day and use it for God. I wonder what he has for you tomorrow. I wonder what's before you. 
Don't be like Naaman thinking, look, I'm somebody. My wife was talking to one of our kids about vacation Bible school coming up. And uh, while they were talking about Aaron Harris having vacation Bible school, and he put on an online registration for it. And they had, what, like 80 people sign up for it, 80 kids? And he went to his worker and says, you are going to show up, aren't you? (laughs) You're going to be here. But uh, I think the first vacation Bible school we had in North Carolina. And uh, I planned it for four-year-olds and up. We had it ready to go. I mean, it was going, and we had close to 200, if I remember. But we had something like 12 or 15 two- and three-year-olds. They weren't figured. They weren't in the thing. Everything else was organized, ready to go. And you know me, I organize. I've got it going. Cookies are here. Kool-Aid's over here. Crafts are over here. We're ready to go. So, Brother Farmer, what would you do with the two- and three-year-olds? Pastor Farber was the two- and three-year-old teacher. We did Father Abraham. We did Ring Around the Rosie. We all fell down. You say, why? Because they're just as important as anybody else up there. And by the way, that was <laughs> 35 years ago. They're adults now. And I trust the fact that they heard that Jesus loved them. And Jesus cared for them. It made an impact on their life. I know some of them continued on through our church. No little things. No little tasks. Say, what did you do? I was younger then. I could fall down and get back up and whatever. Now I just fall down and y'all, y'all go ahead and ring around, okay? And what do you want to do? <laughs> we got to get a crane to get me up. Don't get too big of yourself. Don't think of yourself more than you have. We live by faith. We serve by faith. That's what pleases God. But God, I don't know what to do. We pastor talks about different seasons of life or different stages of life and go on that. And it's all a learning experience. I'm old. I'm right near aged. I'm, 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 oh, I, you say, well, I'm almost 70. Yeah, that's terrible. Another 15 years, I'll be as old as Brother Sally. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> but, <laughs> no. Uh, but stop and realize that. But he said, but Brother Farber, what are you going to do? If I get up in the morning, i got another day to serve him. I got another day to pray and rejoice and thank God for his goodness to us. He, we are so blessed that God's willing to use us. Father, thank you for your goodness and your love for our Savior. I pray a simple little truth, simple truth. But Father, we'd not take life.